Hello and welcome to the new season of Your Voice Matters podcast. The topic of this fifth season is Voice Your Value. If you want a leader, a business owner, an expert or an entrepreneur, this season is for you. We are going to cover the importance of voicing your value in different contexts, such as in-person events, online meetings, presentations, social media, job interviews, networking, and even negotiations. I'm going to interview different entrepreneurs, experts, and coaches to give you new perspectives and insights on how to communicate with more clarity, confidence, credibility, both in your professional and personal life. I hope you enjoy the podcast and stay tuned for new ways to truly voice your value. Hello and welcome to this episode. Our topic today is how to navigate and voice your value in career transitions. Professional changes happen more and more often, not only to layoffs or economical crises, but also because fewer people stay in the same job doing the same thing for life. To share ideas in this regard, I have with me Ines Campos Costa Bartilotti. To start, she has a medical degree and an MBA, which is not very common. Then she's also a certified coach and behavioral analysis, and she's fascinated by psychological profiling. At the beginning of 2022, she moved to Canada, and she's now working at McKinsey Company, a global management consulting firm. Inesh works at the convergence of McKinsey dual mission of helping their clients make distinctive, lasting, and substantial improvements in their performance on one side, and building a great firm that attracts, develops, excites, and retains exceptional people on the other. Inez defines herself as a curious, lifelong learner. She has been reinventing herself continuously in what concerns work. Involved in several projects and companies as co-founder, consultant, and coach, among others, she wore many hats sometimes at the same time. Welcome, Inesh. Thank you, Inesh, for inviting me and having me here. As I said in this introduction, uh, your career is has not followed a traditional line, especially because you start with a medical degree. Um, what are the main events that have marked and defined your professional life until now? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I could, like, <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on that, <laughs> but I'll try to stick to the ones that are, that happened right after I finished my medical degree, which are four, if I can say so. And the first one is exactly finishing med school at that moment. Uh, and, and at that moment, accepting that I was not willing to live a life, the life that I was getting myself into. I wanted to live the life that I wanted to be and to be the, a different person from what I was seeing that I was heading towards with all the joys and fears that would come along. Um, it's interesting because I actually recently just read a quote. I think it's from Morgan Housel, and he said that the illusion of control is more persuasive than the reality of uncertainty. And I didn't realize it back then, but... I was giving my first steps through that reality of uncertainty that eventually I had to become comfortable with. 
so this was the first moment finishing med school and right after was the second moment and it seems very very it seems something very small and very simple but it made a huge difference and I described it to a lot of people which was the day of the group interview for Philip Morris International. So the, my first job was at Philip Morris International and the process, the recruiting process was long. And one of the first moments was a group interview and a group, a group exercise. And I felt like I was misplaced. I saw everyone suited up and I, I wasn't like, I didn't study management. I didn't study engineering. So I was know just a medical doctor that happened to be there i i didn't know about what it was to how it was and how people would, would show up and i felt like maybe i was in the wrong place and i was nearly leaving but i ended up staying because the person that was conducting the group interview happened to just come out of the room and call us when i was just you know the end the elevator was just arriving for me to leave and looking back, I believe that this was the first moment in which I consciously overcame the fear of humiliation. Because what's the wrong that can happen? What's the worst that can happen here? Uh, I didn't, we don't often think about it, but it's most, and it's mostly our subconscious that drives this fear. And it happens quite a lot, actually, with adults. Um, so, the fastest we tame that fear of humiliation, then the fastest we also can thrive and, you know, be our truest self. So this was and failure. <laughs> exactly. And failure, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, the third was the moment when I decided to leave a toxic work context and again embrace all of the fears and joys that would come with the uncertainty of not knowing what was next because I was not trading it for another job. I was just leaving and I did it full heartedly. And this was the moment where I realized that there is no price for mental health. And that also was the moment when I started learning how to trust my intuition. Hmm. And finally, the last moment I would say was probably moving to Canada in the beginning of 2022. Initially, I was still working remotely with Portugal and I, I happened to be just at the right place when this uh, job opened for at McKinsey. And it was in the city that I am. I'm not in Toronto, I'm not in Vancouver, which are the cities that people usually move to. I'm in Calgary and just you know, it's it's a very serendipitous moment the way that I see it because it's just the right opportunity that came came up to do something that I'm so passionate about and a place where I can express myself authorship and where I could further explore explore at the firm what I'm passionate about. Like I told you, so uh, we we actually we use this expression at McKinsey called "Make Your Own McKinsey," and it's a, a reflex of for me of how often um, we can build the place where we want to work in a way and and mm -hmm. the firm's support is to be entrepreneur in that way internally. So very happy where I am right now. Yes, as a top consultancy firm, which is known by, um, I think they also recruit people with special and, you know, profiles and not, you know, probably the people without any 
experience in different fields. I, this is the idea that I have from outsider from the company. And I really, I have known you, I probably, we, we met in 2019, I think, uh, on LinkedIn, actually. I don't know why we met, how we met, but we stayed uh, in contact since then. And when I see you, I, I, I can see the kind of what they call the worker of the future, because uh, the professionals of the future, because you combine um, this idea that I have, like emotional skills, uh, the soft skills, you know, you have problem solving. Uh, is there so a kind of a secret ingredient to adapt effectively so to these environments and different uh, contexts of work? Uh, I don't want to sound uh, very cliché, but honestly, I think the secret ingredient is knowing yourself. Like painfully pursuing self-knowledge uh, to a point where it will hurt because there are things of ourselves that we don't exactly want to face and want to accept right away. I'm, I'm in the quote today, sorry. So, uh, so I'm <laughs> going to give you another quote. What Carl Jung said, keep your shadows in front of you. They can always take you from behind. And for me, that's one of the biggest eye-opener that happened was when I started but and and this happened like in a way right after I left med school when I when I started realizing I can't live this life I want to live another life I can't be this person I want to be another person so who, who am I like try um describing who you are who is Inez Mora without um writing your story all around either your work or being a parent or a sibling it's very hard and we don't often do that kind of exercise so start by knowing who you are start by knowing who you want to be and be honest with you and everyone around you mm -hmm. i think this is and also acknowledge that you you can change you are allowed to change because when when it, you decide decided to join the med school i think you you think you thought about yourself as being one person with some kind of desire, some kind of career idea. And then, uh, especially because med school is really long, it's quite long, I mean, six years. <laughs> so in six years, many things can happen uh, during your life. And uh, and so you you can change as a person. You probably you, you will change. But then sometimes it's kind of, okay, I committed to this career, to this job, it's too late to go back, it's it's too risky, or I put so much effort into it that I'm not, I'm not going to lose that. Um, and so that sometimes can really get people stuck in one career that they chosen, you know, they've chosen, I don't yes. know, many years ago, and now they're not happy with that. And I think many people can, can relate to the, those kind of choices. Uh, but you, you were saying that you moved to Canada, so... First, it's difficult to change a company, but I think it's even difficult to change a country and to change cultures. So how was the adaptation and what strikes you the most in this, in living in Canada? <laughs> well, is there on also on the personal side? It's, uh, it's, it's very curious, but it's funny because, um, I was very excited about moving because since I was very young, I've. I've heard so many people telling me how I would be so happy living in other places with other cultures. And I've always felt a little bit misplaced when I was a kid. I was in my mind, um, 
a little bit of an adult. And now that I am an adult, I it, it always feels like there is something that's a little bit off to where I am or, or the moment of the life that I am. And um, it's interesting because in a way, adaptation to Canada was eased by this willingness that I had to devour everything that life would throw at me. Um, one thing I was, one very interesting thing I was not expecting is that I always consider myself pretty fluent in English uh, for someone that's not an, a native English speaker. And when I came here, I realized that there is, so there's fluence and then there is a whole new layer of being fluent in a language that requires a deep understanding of the cultural context and the way that society is structured. And that takes a while to get adapted to the way that people think, the way that people express themselves, the words that they use, if it's more direct or indirect, um, the way that they interpret your own words. And you may be communicating in a way that in your understanding is very clear and transparent. But on the other the other side is interpreting you in a way that you did not intend at all. And I believe this is still an ongoing adaptation. And I actually faced this uh, in a much more intense way. And when I started working, because when I came to Canada, I was still working remotely with Portugal for a while. And when I actually started working with people in North America, I work with a lot of people in the US too. That's when I realized, okay, wait, I'm not that fluent in English. It's not enough to be able to talk and express yourself and watch a movie without subtitles or read a book in English. It, there's this whole dimension that I wasn't aware of and that the only way I can totally grasp it is by being here and by paying attention and by listening and by being mindful. And yeah, that was a huge thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's incredible. Yes, uh, because you have all these cultural, like being fluent in the culture and not only exactly. fluent in the language, you have to be fluent in the culture. And uh, that happens also, you know, when I'm here in, in Brussels, in Belgium, like their expressions, uh, you know, the things there are so cultural and you only understand, not in, in this case in French, not in English, but you only understand when you leave here. And it's, and uh, this can really make you feel like this low self-esteem, you know, because you thought you had yes. this skill <laughs> and lack of confidence. Does that affect your confidence at work, for example? It uh, may it when you have to speak up and say something. Uh -huh. It made me slow down, um, which is, which I believe was a good thing because in a way the context made me slow down and sort of pushed me towards listening even more, being even more mindful. And I mean, there's only so much, I work in a very fast paced environment. So there's only so much you can do when on the daily basis, things are happening very quickly. You So I, I do have my strategies. I work out and I meditate and I, I try to make, to, to build, I build, built those habits that I know that will keep me grounded. But like everywhere, like in every uh, job or every company that you work with, or if you're, if you're, uh, uh, if you have your, your own company too, 
there are always moments in which things get very quick and your, emo your emotions take over in a way. If you add the extra complexity of you having to understand what people are telling you, not just the words that they're telling you, but what's the underlying meaning, that makes you have to slow down, either you want it or not. So that made me slow down. And I think it was um, very helpful, actually, in many ways. Uh, <laughs> yes. And it's it's interesting because I totally remember in the beginning thinking, oh, textbook English is so different from actually spoken English in an English country because I, I, I traveled. So I, I could, you know, get a, find my way with the English language. And I don't think it uh, shattered my self confidence because there's it's also important for us to distinguish what's re related to performance and what's related to ourselves and what's related to something that's circumstantial and this was circum this is circumstantial mm -hmm. um and it's an you know it's an exciting adventure because <laughs> it's not just adapting to the weather or adapting to different hours like life happens much earlier here than it happened in Portugal we have dinner earlier we ate wake up earlier we do everything earlier so there's just another I understand <laughs> every every dinner at seven I feel really remiss <laughs> well but yes it's true it's and I I see so many of my clients even uh, when they have to have meetings all day in a second third of their language it's so exhausting and you just you have like you feel like you have a that you have a different personality when you speak several languages and you have to you know engage uh, and make and even during the day switch languages it's it's exhausting when you we have to you know to, to voice our ideas and to yeah. really fully express ourselves and this is something that you are also experienced living in canada so i'm i'm curious because you since you you left the med school and you you, you joined the company and then you you put your mental health uh, first, uh, which is something that we nowadays uh, it's <laughs> something so uh, I would say that we we speak a lot a lot and we see in the media and we see in you know everywhere the mental health. Uh, but then you decided to do some projects on your own or at least to join some projects as an entrepreneur. So you have this part where you entered in the entrepreneurship world and also you have been working in quite big companies. So how do you, you know, what motivates you first to join this, you know, to be an entrepreneur and then to work in a big company? Because it seems two different worlds <laughs> yeah. on the outside. It's, it is. It's different lives, different worlds. It's exciting. <laughs> You know, when I was, uh, when, not when I left, I remember when I worked at Philip Morris, someone left to pursue other interests and sent this very beautiful and kind and so heartfelt email to some people. And in that email, they said that they sent a video and they, they mentioned how, it, commas, they say that we live multiple lives in one lifespan. And I never forgot that that sentence because I do believe that very profoundly. We, in a way, live multiple lives inside one, you know, one one body and, and one generation or lifespan or, or whatever we want to call it. And 
I, I find it um, so. So yes, you know, I find that what when you you ask me about what motivated me to be an entrepreneur, and I don't see entrepreneurship as you are either it or not it. I see it more as an attitude, a way of living that we nurture and choose rather than a mechanical thing that happens when one has a brilliant idea or starts an innovative business, which is what we associate to entrepreneurship a lot. And by my the first podcast I was interviewed for, I mentioned how the biggest entrepreneurs are women mothers living in Africa without the necessary resources to do what we're used to doing uh, with a lot more resources, but they still make it work. So they are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And for me, what this means is that we all live in a world of entrepreneurship. And in my opinion, we express the, this, that entrepreneurship every time we practice free will and we use our intellect to make conscious choices and go out of, a way, of our way to be an engine of change because we believe deeply in that change. So I'm personally motivated daily to be entrepreneurial because I believe in the compound effects of my choices and my actions in a nutshell. That's, that's, that's a beautiful definition about being an entrepreneur. It's not a bit defined by having a project or this innovative idea, but it's an attitude, an attitude to be an entrepreneur. And uh, if, I, if I think about that, you made me think also about my personal journey, which I work as, as well for companies and I have my own projects, I was always an entrepreneur uh, in all the projects, in all the things, even working yes. for others, which sometimes was good. Uh, sometimes uh, I think it was seen as um, too much proactivity. You are too proactive, but <laughs> don't, do, don't do so many changes. I, I, I Maybe you're just not in the place where... Exactly. Exactly. Express your entrepreneurship in a way that's valid. <laughs> so that's why I created my company because I, uh, I mean, sometimes it's good to be, uh, it is this free will. I think that you mentioned it's, it's really the thing and to, to see that you can do something different and to make changes and make something better and do it your own way. So it's an attitude I really like that the definition that you brought us. And, and yes, but sometimes even when you work alone and we have the concept of being a solo solopreneur or being an entrepreneur or having a team or working in a team inside a big company there's always people and people we have to interact we have to communicate with each other <laughs> sometimes uh, there's conflicts and uh, other communication issues um how how can we really make a difference expressing our value but within a context where there is other people, what are the challenges that you see happening? Well, I don't have a holy grail kind of answer for that. <laughs> I can tell you what helped me. Um, it helped me acknowledge that, and, and this was after like doing trainings, also in uh, things like nonviolent communication, and and I realized that different people value different things. And if you don't attend to their needs while communicating your ideas, you lose your audience. Yeah. So this is one thing that was quite 
important for me to understand. It doesn't mean that I could always do it, but I try to remember this as much as I can. Um, then also, and particularly in, in a context of living in a different culture and in a different place, acknowledge that there will be blind spots for you. You may, so different, uh, I don't know if you heard about the ladder of inference. The ladder of inference is, uh, you, you did because you, you studied, you also certified in coaching. So a bit for whomever is listening to us, the ladder of inference is a model of the steps we use to make sense of the situations in order to act. And when we're talking about communication, people can come to very different understandings of what they're hearing depending on what aspects of that communication they notice and how they interpret what's being told to them. So when you are in a, in a, in any context, actually, you never you can never imagine what's on the other side. And so it requires a lot of humility. It requires a lot of mindfulness. It requires, for me, in my understanding, a lot of attention to the nuanced reactions on the other side um, verbal and nonverbal, so that you can learn how to adapt in a way that you become understandable in the way that you want to be understood. So if I think about, if I have to put it under a big umbrella, it's basically releasing your ego <laughs> because you have to yeah. be very flexible, um, to adapt to the style that the other person is going to take more openly. If you want to, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, releasing the ego also, because coming back to the beginning, when you said that the, the, the fear of being humiliated or to, mm -hmm. and I added the fear of failure, it, which is something that prevents us so much because you don't want to say anything wrong. You don't want to be misunderstood or, uh, you, you don't want, you know, to, to sound as come across as aggressive or too passive. Yeah. And there's all this context of, you know, the cultural context, the language culture. I, I studied this, not, not exactly when I studied, you know, co coaching, but I was for some, quite some, a couple of years, I was very interested in the listening skills. And so I was basically researching about listening and how we listen, you know, the styles of listening, mm -hmm. uh, because we have really different, like, um, uh, we capture different things according, according to our listening style. And it was amazing. It amazed me because how many things we, we can miss. It's like we're, we are missing almost, you know, a percentage, an enormous yes. percentage of what's happening in a meeting because you filter according to your, uh, you know, the culture, the language. Um, your, beliefs. Your, your beliefs, your, you know, your degree of attention that you have that day, yeah. if you're tired, if you're not. And so we basically just capture a fraction of the reality, uh, and, and then we make assumptions and we create our reality, which is different from our colleagues or our boss or whatever. And so we take decisions on based on that, that reality. That's why we live in such complex <laughs> environments sometimes, uh, even when yeah, they as. have to communicate in a team because we see different, different perspectives and reach and diverse too, right? We just yeah. need to find a way, our way to understand what's happening around us. I, one thing I, 
I usually say that as long as you're making decisions with all of the information that you could capture, then there's no wrong decision. There's no reason to look back. I never looked back to leaving med school and not becoming a medical doctor because I did the best that I could with the information that I had at that moment. And when I, I, I in communicate <laughs> while communicating with other people, we sometimes um, miss some aspects of the communication. And maybe because, like you said, maybe we're not, not attentive or maybe we, it's a blind spot because it's a person from a different culture. And we couldn't even imagine that what we would say would be interpreted in that way. But in a way, it, it's being attentive and and taking in as much information as possible to make sure that we are doing the best within our reach. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's okay if you do a mistake, if you acknowledge that, and you know, yes, if you are just uh, open about speaking about that and having an honest conversation. You mentioned uh, non-violence communication. Actually, I wanted to ask you if you would suggest. What kind of resources that we can actually seek out to be better in communicating in a context where you we meet different people, we have to understand this cultural environment. Do you have like a favorite book or anything that you would suggest? That's a really hard question. <laughs> I know it's broad. <laughs> it's a broad question. Oh, that's very hard, you know, because for me it was a compound effect of a lot of things i i studied the behavioral analysis the methodologies that come from the research done by william Moulton marson and then carl jung and i i know that there are some people that say that they don't like to read but then just figure out resources that you can listen to because reading to things that are science-based that there's research underlying research also be very careful of the way that you curate curate the the contents that you are putting into your head. <laughs> um, but I, I can't say about any specific thing because I feel like it was knowledge built over time. What I do uh, is I subscribe to new letters. So my, my, my default is when I read something I love, I subscribe to it and then I unsubscribe if I find that after two or three editions, I it's really not adding anything to me. And I found this very interesting uh, newsletter actually recently, and I, I don't want to do any publicity, so I'm just gonna not say the name. Uh, but you can say the name. <laughs> we have to open up. Better that gathers it. So it's it's called Refined, and it's a newsletter that gathers. So they ask you what are your interests, what periodicity you want to receive the newsletter with um what's like if you want to receive it weekly or monthly and then they gather from all around the web contents based on what you're interested in and you just have to take time to go down the rabbit hole when you find something that you love usually it refers to other works from other people and it refers to concepts just Instead of going down the rabbit hole of YouTube or Nine Gag, go down the rabbit hole of reading about something that makes you passionate and that you're interested in, and start digging deeper into those concepts, uh, whatever it is that you're interested in. And then also remember that your reality is not everyone's reality, and 
but sorry, I gave you a yes. nice answer because I, I did no, not suggest no. the book. And I <laughs> no, it's a very good idea because of course we have to, we like to uh, we have different learning styles, and sometimes people like to hear podcasts, others like to read, others like to receive newsletters or written context. Yes. And so you you mentioned this website. Can you just say the name again? I think I didn't capture. Refind R E F I N D. Oh, I hope I'm saying it. Like it's wrong. I really great find though. Yes, that's a cool. And I, I didn't know that exists, and so now I'm, I'm going to dig. You know, to go deep in that research. But I like, I like also newsletters. I receive, I subscribe when I see someone that I like, and I engage with the message. I really try to absorb as much as possible from that person, and I'm also. At least this is my methodology. When I'm interested about one topic, I try to read everything that I can yeah. read, uh, study, videos, everything in depth about that subject. And then when I'm tired, when I think I have enough information for, you know, what the challenge that I have, or, you know, it's enough intellectually, I'm satisfied, then I move on and I try to search and study about another topic. So I, I kind of, I do this like, Every year I study two subjects, you know, in, in more depth and, uh, it's, uh, it's working for me, but one big project or one big thing to learn. And then, yes. uh, and then for example, when I was interested in the, in the communication, uh, communicating in different co- countries and cultures, mm-hmm. uh, and I read the culture map, which I totally, I think I suggested in an, another podcast or in another season, mm-hmm. but the culture map is really good to understand these communication differences especially when you have to go to another job position and you have to work with, you know, another regions, another country, mm-hmm. and how do you adapt and also be aware of your uh, blind spots and how di- direct or indirect is the communication and so on. So it's a good, yes. another, another good uh, uh, recommendation. So I, I, if, oh, sorry, if I may add, I guess at the end of the day, just Start by understanding what works best for you. If you work best with reading or with listening or with watching documentaries and then just relentlessly pursue everything to nurture and feed that garden that your brain and your mind is. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, just adding this note. Yes, yes, yes. And to stay curious, I think it's also, I think you didn't mention a lot of curiosity, but I think also it's a... A good ingredient to, to success. It's a very important ingredient. <laughs> yeah, because it translates to knowledge about something, a subject, but also be curious about other people and not making, mm. don't create assumptions or definitely asking questions, listen more. And we learn by listening, not uh, just talking. So <laughs> as they say, we have two ears and we're mouth for something. But so oh, I heard that for the first time in my like when I was around like 29, maybe, or nearly 30. And I was like, how can it be the first time I'm hearing this? <laughs> it's just like so precious. You have two ears and one mouth. So listen to the level that you speak. <laughs> exactly. I think it's, it's uh, simply, and it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. So imagine that you have to, you know, th- those questions, if you can speak for your younger self. I would not say that, but if you have to speak to someone and I will not say that it's a younger people because I see more and more people in their late forties, uh, in their fifties, changing their career. And I think that's very brave, very courageous. 
And I think we can we can just change career anytime. We don't have to wait until a certain age or we don't have X amount of years of experience. Like we can change. We should change. <laughs> we should sometimes just see what what we can do and how can we uh, maybe be happy doing other things. And so if you have any kind of advice for someone that is keen to embrace a new phase of life and maybe, maybe experiment a new phase, a new path um, professionally, what do you say? I have two things to say. One is this metaphor I learned when I was studying coaching. I know it doesn't work. Metaphors don't work with everyone because I have an intention by saying the metaphor, but I shouldn't because everyone takes it as they would like. But I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I read that um, when the the way circus um, tame elephants is they get them as little elephants. They will tie them to this small pole that they can't leave because it's too big for them because they're little elephants. And then they grow to become huge elephants tied to the same little pole who is much tinier than they are now but they do not like they have this experience and this memory of trying to you know break the pole and leaving and they couldn't so they don't try it anymore as huge elephants because they their understanding it's impossible so we more often create our own limitations in our mind than the limitations that actually truly exist in the world out there out there our resources are actually unlimited because we have our own as long as we have our own thinking mind and you may not be able to to write but hey nowadays there are softwares that write for you you just need to be able to speak or you may not be able to speak but you can write and nowadays probably are softwares that do the reverse so like be know yourself and be conscious of what are real limitations when what are not what are limitations that are just the construct of your busy minds and organize your thoughts and be consistent in your actions and then the last thing i would say is surround yourself with people that share your values and are courageous enough to be honest with you even if it hurts because that's the way to move forward, in my opinion. <laughs> that's great, really. It's a great way to end uh, also this conversation, the podcast. I think it's a way to close, but also to open this new perspective. I like the elephant metaphor. I think it's it's true. Uh, we self-impose these limiting beliefs and because we think that because we are not so good doing something, you can learn, you can, yes. you know, you have the internet because, you know, our grandparents didn't have the internet. Now we can learn so many things. We can have another training. We can you know, study another thing or just be self-taught in some kind of topics, but the options are limited, really. And yes. So I just love the way you put it, uh, you know, the steps, uh, but having this image of the elephant, that's why I think we restrain uh, and restrict restrict ourselves to 
uh, embrace a new face to voice our value in oh it's an interview but I don't I don't feel all the all the boxes of what's required and what if you no know, they need you because you are this person they are looking for exactly so it's be courageous <laughs> do that give the stamp take the stand and uh, that's a beautiful way to to finish thank you Ines where can we find you do you use linkedin i know you, you use linkedin because it's where we met <laughs> yes uh, yeah. yeah people can find me on linkedin i don't have other social networks and i do not miss them <laughs> no, i don't want them so um i they can also find me in calgary <laughs> in canada and that they can find me at McKinsey if they are interested in pursuing a, a career in consultancy. There was, um, there's never been a better time to join our firm. So you are recruiting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the company thinking, yes, they're thinking of making a move. Um, there's a lot of resources online. So look into them. And I had to, you know, I'm always usually like I may not be responsive right away but I'm usually always responsive um so that's Some, the um, to if you know yes okay and they can find me in Portugal in Christmas probably I, <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> actually and we have to meet a person we have yes. to meet a person I I, I forgot <laughs> I forget that we we haven't met face to face it's just yes brutal <laughs> It is. It's very fascinating the way that the pandemic changed so much of our, our lives. And I know that there's, I'm sorry, like, you want to close it? Just a final note. I know that there's a lot of people that have doubts on how meaningful, how meaningful can digital connections be, but they can be meaningful because we are human beings. So we are the ones that have to be vulnerable enough to let them become meaningful. Exactly. And I think we are a good example of a connection that yeah. was made uh, on LinkedIn. It stayed for real. Ines, thank you so much again. It thank you, Ines. to have you here. And yes, stay in touch. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. Now I challenge you to implement right away one tip or strategy coming from this episode. If you want to know more about how to voice your value and prepare to challenges ahead, feel free to reach out and book a 30 minutes free call to discuss your goals with me. I would love to hear from you. And finally, always remember, your voice matters.